My name is Benny Johnson and welcome to The Benny Show. It doesn't take a doctor to look at the state of America and see that we are in precipitous and perilous decline. And part of the reason why is because there are so many people with so many broken brains in charge of so much in this nation. Now that includes Joe Biden, who is in obvious and precipitous mental decline running this nation. It also includes the hovels and shanty towns in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C., filled with mentally ill individuals living in squalor, shooting up drugs openly in the streets, living in filth. These individuals are also mentally ill and suffering. And in between, you have teachers who are attempting to indoctrinate our students' sexual orientation. These people are clearly broken individuals. They're clearly mentally unstable. All you have to do is watch their TikToks. And then the worst of all, I suppose, is the recent rash of mentally unstable shooters who I guess if they have one thing in common is that they are deeply possessed individuals with darkness in their souls who do not have mental stability. They have broken brains and it leads them to a broken reality and it leads them to do broken, inhumane, monstrous, demonic things. We've seen those tragedies splashed across our headlines far too often and with far too much frequency as of late. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we decided for this episode to invite on a doctor to diagnose this country. From Joe Biden to the shooters, to the teachers and educators, to the mentally ill wandering our streets in squalor, we thought of no better person other than Dr. Ben Carson, the greatest neurosurgeon on planet Earth, to come in and truly assess America's mental state right now. He actually has a new book out about this and restoring the soul of America, but you can't do it without restoring the mental health of a country that seems to be going through a mental health crisis right now as much as an identity crisis. A lot of mentally ill people and broken people in charge of so much in this nation. Before we bring Ben Carson on, I did want to tell you guys today's Friday. And you should head on over to Parlor.com and check out our new show, The Left Can't Meme, exclusively on Parlor. Every Friday, a new episode, the memes of the week, content we can't post anywhere else. But Parlor is a free speech platform, so they embrace the freedom of speech and the freedom of dialogue and thought that we can't have on any other platform. Gotta be honest, if you posted some of this content on any of these platforms, you'd be nuked from space. You'd be banished, but not on Parler. That's why we're thrilled to be partnering with them for our new show, The Left Can't Meme. Check it out. New episodes every Friday, parlor.com. Now, without further ado, let's welcome on the good doctor to tell us and diagnose exactly what's wrong with this country right now. Joining us now, Dr. Ben Carson, the man, the myth, the legend, and legendary because he's one of the very rare conservatives and certainly one of the rarest of all, a Trump-appointed cabinet member who can get on the New York Times 
bestseller list. Bestseller with his brand new book, Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Carson, thank you for joining the program. Thank you for having me. So let's discuss this milestone here. The New York Times bestseller list is legendary for keeping conservatives off their list, even though we sell the most books, but you are on it. Congratulations. Well, thank you. You know, I tried to, to take an honest look at race in America, uh, even-handed look. Uh, but the thing that I think will come across is that America is changing. And on the racial front, it's really for the good. You know, in my lifetime, there's been a dramatic change in racial relationships. When I was a youngster and a black person came on television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. You called everybody into the living room to look. And today, we have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations and university presidents, including Ivy League. We've elected a president of the United States twice with a black vice president. We haven't reached Nirvana, but to say that we have not made progress in my lifetime would be just a total fallacy. And, you know, you look at the fact that people are using race as a cudgel to beat people down, to make white people feel guilty, to make black people and minorities feel like victims. And that's why everything keeps circling back to race when race is not relevant to everything. And I say that as a neurosurgeon who opens people's heads and operates on the thing that really makes them who they are, their brain. Their skin doesn't make them who they are. Their hair doesn't make them who they are. It's their brain that makes them who they are. And we need to concentrate a little more on this incredible gift that God gave us, the human brain and what it can do. And stop acting like animals. I point out in the book that when you look at it, it's, let's say a dog brain versus a human brain, turf surface topography is quite similar, but the dog has a very well-developed midbrain because that's what allows you to react. That's why animals react so much faster than we do, cat-like reflexes. Um, but we have much better developed frontal lobes where you engage in rational thought processing, extracting information from the past and mixing it with information from the present, projecting it into the future. We can plan and strategize complex things a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years in advance because of those kinds of brains. And we can also analyze things like the content of a person's character. And that's what Martin Luther King meant. And he said he looked forward to the day when people be judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. In other words, people would start acting like people and not like animals. There's a plaque on the Lincoln Memorial with those words emblazoned in it. It's a huge bronze plaque. I want my kids to be judged by their character and not their skin color. It seems as though you'd be tagged for hate speech if you were to tweet something like that online now. How far has the modern day left, which I think you cover in your book, often uses race as a cudgel for power? How far have they fallen from the dream of Martin Luther King? Well, they're completely in the opposite direction. You'll notice they don't talk about him very much <laughs> um, because, you know, they want victimhood. And you think about what happens when you create white guilt. Um, you get people who aren't going to be as vocal. So now when you're talking about defunding the police, letting dangerous criminals out to terrorize neighborhoods, 
not enforcing our southern border and a host of other things, maybe you don't get quite the same pushback. And, uh, you know, once you can convince somebody that they're a victim, they are a victim. They begin to act like victims, not really taking advantage of the incredible things that exist in our country. You know, just as an example, I point out in the book uh, that Ghanaians and Nigerians who live in this country, there's little or no wealth gap. Hmm. Uh, isn't that interesting? But if you go and you study, let's take a Nigerian family here, you'll find that a bachelor's degree is the baseline. That's where you start. And there's such an emphasis on education, such an emphasis on family, family structure. And uh, if you take traditional Black American families who have those values, there's also very little or no wealth gap. So maybe we're looking at the wrong thing when we're calling everything systemic racism. Maybe there's some other factors that we should be looking at to try to ameliorate the situation. Did you know that not since the pandemic have stocks slid as much as they slid just last month? Quarterly earnings are abysmal. The economy is shrinking and mortgage rates are going through the roof because the Fed knows that an overheated economy and hyperinflation is going to lead to disaster. And it's already here, ladies and gentlemen. Stagflation and the worst economic climate in many decades is upon us. What are you doing to protect your wealth? In the Johnson family, we're using our friends at Birch Gold. We are buying precious metals and diversifying into something of real value. My wife and I, invested for the first time last month and Birch made it so easy. For the first time, we have our future protected by precious metals. We diversified into a tax-sheltered retirement account with gold and it couldn't have been easier. Please text Benny to 989898 to secure the gains you've made while you still can. Every roller coaster comes to an end. Every night at the bar comes with a hangover, and we are here. Do not get a headache over losing your fiat currency because of the dumb decisions made in Washington. Invest in something of real value. Gold, ladies and gentlemen, through Birch Gold, the only people I trust with my future. Text Benny to 9898 and start protecting your future today with gold. We do a lot of talking on this program about family and about family structure and how powerful that nucleus is in order to raise children up and have them as functional parts of society. Uh, however, it doesn't seem to be a focus. Right now, the country is going through uh, some real uh, painful moments watching uh, another school shooting. And oftentimes, the school shooters come from fatherless homes. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a trend. I know you've spoken at the Heritage Foundation many times. Before me is a really beautiful article from the Heritage Foundation talking about fatherlessness and the correlation between fatherless homes and mass shooters. They went all the way back to Columbine. And the correlation is very strong. strong. Yeah. Um, can and it's you also strong for poverty. Yes. Uh, that kind of leads frequently to desperation. You know, if you look at black families that are headed up by a single female, the poverty rate is 45%, 45%. Headed up by a single male, it's 36%. Both parents, it's 12%. Hmm. I mean, that's way beyond statistical variation. So uh, why aren't we talking about those kinds of things? Uh, 
because when you do talk about them, you're accused of, of being a racist or some other horrible thing. But I think this is a time when people have got to stand up for what they believe in. Uh, you can no longer stand in the corner with your head down and hope no one calls you a nasty name because you cannot be the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. And this, this is, this is tip, tipping time in our country right now. And how quickly things can change. You've already seen in the last year and a half how we've gone from relative prosperity to desperation. And unfortunately, we're not even at the bottom of the barrel yet. We're going to keep going down because of the policies that have been enacted. Um, hopefully in November, you know, there comes some relief. But uh, one of the things that I emphasize is how important it is for people in a democratic republic, which is what we live in, to know who they're voting for and uh, make sure that you vote your values. And that's what we're not doing. You know, people are going to the voting booth and they're looking for a name that looks familiar. You know, it could be Satan. You say, yeah, I know that name and check that one off. <laughs> you know, in many cases it is, you know. And, uh, and that's why we keep getting the same thing over and over again. And we have a responsibility as citizens to, to study and to know who these people are that we say represent us. And you'll find when you start studying them that a lot of people whose names you know don't represent your values whatever, whatsoever. And this is your opportunity to change that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why don't we talk about families? I know that your mother had a profound effect on, on you and your upbringing. We've spoken about that before, but people with absent parents, young children with absent parents are poisoned and destined uh, statistically to a much yes. worse life. And I, I do wonder why we don't discuss this as, as urgently as any other problem in this nation. Well, you know, the Brookings Institute, which is not known for conservatism, uh, did a huge study on poverty and uh, concluded that there were three things that you could do that would reduce your rate of living in poverty to 2% or less. Number one, finish high school, the importance of education. Number two, get married, the importance of family. Number three, wait until you're married to have children, the importance of using those frontal lobes to plan and strategize. And you just do those three things. We used to know that, you know, that's news now. And, uh, but unless we begin to talk about these things, we can't continue to let those who want to fundamentally change our nation carry the conversation. Uh, we have to get into that conversation. Uh, and of course, they've tried by taking control of, of most of the media, uh, taking control of the school system, uh, replacing faith in God with faith in government and raising the national debt to astronomical levels so that you could justify massive taxation, redistribution of wealth, and total dependence on the government. But we've got to recognize what's going on, and we've got to resist it. This is, this is our last chance, I really do believe. Hmm. It does seem as though there is a, you, you said earlier, a sense of desperation that seems to be compounded over and over again by a crisis after crisis after crisis. I'd like to simply because it's in the news and there have been multiple mass shootings, people are blaming mental illness as somebody who's so 
uh, well studied in the human brain and its formation. Does this vibe with you? Do you believe that mental illness is the major cause, perhaps undiagnosed mental illness um, of what we're seeing right now? I I think the environment that one grows up in uh, plays a tremendous role in one's mental state. And if you're in an environment where there's constant friction and hatred and division is being preached, and also where respect for life is not taught, you know, as we've grown further away from respecting life from the womb to the tomb, we've grown much more coarse in our relationships with each other. And, uh, you know, I really think we need to stop and take a deep breath here and look at where we came from. How did we get to be such an incredible nation? How did we go from a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the pinnacle of the world in record time? It was not a coincidence. It was because of certain values and principles that we espoused. Number one, our faith. Number two, liberty, the concept of freedom. Number three, community the ability to work together for a common cause. And number four, life. Our interest in preserving life and respecting life and respecting each other and respecting each other's views. And as we've moved away from that, the deterioration can be expected. It's what happens every time that happens in any society historically throughout history, we're not gonna be any different, but we do have the examples of others and if we would just pay attention to them. And if, if there is a, a big change in the government uh, in November and subsequently two years from now, it will be very important for people to realize that what the people of America want are leaders who actually care about the people, who care about the issues that affect the people, not about some political party, not about some political ideology, I think the people will just long for that. And that's what our nation was built for. Everyone rejoiced this last week when Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. And we thought that maybe he'd be taking that company out of the leftist cesspool and into the land of free speech. But he's not out of the woods yet. You see... Twitter is still platformed on Amazon web servers. Those are the racks and the servers that could pull Twitter offline if they don't like what Elon Musk is doing. You don't think they'll do it? They did the same thing to Parler. They offlined the entire platform and crashed it because they didn't like what was happening on it. This is how evil and how incestuous the left has become with their control of the internet. It's why we need a new American internet. It's why we are so thrilled to be partnering with rightforge.com. Rightforge.com is the true American internet and founded on American free speech principles. That's why bennyjohnson.com is hosted by Rightforge. Rightforge is also bringing back President Trump to the internet by hosting Truth Social, a new online community for free thinkers and free speech. It's amazing to have a company that is investing in the real wire and infrastructure, the routers, the servers, the racks that make the internet 
possible. And if we don't go down to the very core, we'll never have free speech back. The core of American values is what drives RightForge. And we encourage you to go to RightForge.com. That's RightForge.com. And talk to them today about bringing your domain over so you are uncancelable by the left. RightForge.com. Yeah, the culture of life, it's emblazoned in the first couple words of our founding documents, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you can't have happiness or, 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 or liberty without life. Yeah. These days, that seems to be a deep, deeply abiding issue as the Supreme Court presumably is set to strike down Roe v. Wade. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, it was a horrible thing to, to leak that information because uh, I think that has done irreparable damage to the trust that exists in the Supreme Court. And I don't know that in our lifetimes that going to be repaired. But it is good that we are trying to move back toward the system as it was designed. You know, major social issues involving life and death should be in the hands of the people and their representatives, not in the hands of unelected uh, justices. And so we, we are moving in that direction. Uh, anybody who truly uh, cares about freedom and the system that our country was designed under should be delighted about that, regardless of their stand on abortion. And we also need to bring some common sense into this. You know, the reason that younger people tend to be more pro-life now is because they're growing up in an era where the technology has allowed us to actually see what's in that mother's room. It's pretty hard to say that that's a meaningless bunch of cells when it has a face and it has hands and fingers and toes and uh, a heart that's beating and it can move around and it can react to the environment. It's very, very difficult. It's much more sophisticated than the snail darter, which a lot of these people are going around trying to say. So we really ought to think about that. And then think about why is it that a person who kills a pregnant woman gets charged with two murders, but you can kill the baby and not be charged with any murder? I mean, that's an incredible, it's an incredible question. It seems like they're dehumanizing. It seems to be a cult of dehumanization and death, the modern day left. And your interview recently about your new book with Politico you say that it's your consideration of slavery that actually had you change your opinion from pro-choice to pro-life. Can you expound on that? Yeah, well, you know, I was, I grew up in Detroit and Boston and New Haven and Ann Arbor and, and worked in Baltimore, all very liberal places. So I was a liberal Democrat. And then, you know, one day I was thinking about the whole concept of slavery and, and how people, you know, beat and raped and tortured and killed these people because they thought they were their property. I said, what if the abolitionists had said, I don't believe in slavery, I think it's wrong, but you do whatever you want. Where would we be? And I said, because I did not believe in abortion myself, but I didn't think that I had the right to say anything about it as far as other people were concerned. But then I said, this is exactly the same situation. Those poor little babies have no one to speak for them. 
and you have people who want to kill them. And what happens if you don't speak up? And the Bible actually talked about it in the 24th chapter of Proverbs 10 through 12 says, what about those who are drawn into death? Don't you have the responsibility? And if you don't say anything, doesn't your father in heaven know that you didn't say anything? Uh, so we, we have a responsibility to protect those babies. At the same time, we have a responsibility to make sure that those women who find themselves in desperate situations know that there are alternatives. There are people who will adopt those babies. There are a whole host of, of helps for them. Uh, but there is really no justification for the wanton destruction of another human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems dehumanizing, and it seems like it goes against the teaching of just regular morality. However, it also goes against the teaching of Christianity. The Catholic Church is against abortion in all forms. Nancy Pelosi banned from taking communion by her archdiocese in San Francisco this week. Uh, do you yeah. think that's the right choice? Uh, well, it, it certainly would be more consistent with the principles that the church espouses. And, you know, I, I think we need to just be more aggressive in explaining to people what's going on. You know, what, what happens at conception? You know, you have the male gamete, the female gamete. They both have 23 chromosomes. They come together. They form a zygote, which has... 46 chromosomes, complete set. It's not the mother. It's not the father. And in a matter of just a few weeks, you know, you can start seeing the formation of a human form within six to eight weeks. You've got a heart to start. You've got a little face with eye socket to the nose and the mouth and a little finger. Come on. Uh, people just really need to stop sticking their head in the sand and denying what is clear reality. Yeah. You did the separation of the conjoined twins. I, I have to assume that this was, was this re relatively soon after birth? Uh, within the first, within the first year, there, yeah. there were several sets of twins uh, that I operated on. And, um, but, you know, even though those, those cases garner a lot of attention, uh, you know, I feel the same about every kid that you can give a second chance to. Uh, and I run into people all the time on airplanes, uh, in various places around the country. You operated on me when I was a little baby. You operated <laughs> no on, way. My, really? on my cousin. Or, you know, and uh, even when I was a head secretary, I remember going over to um, FEMA to thank everybody after one of the hurricanes. And afterwards, two of the people came up to me and said, hey, Doc, you recognize this scar? <laughs> really? Absolutely. How many total people have you operated on? Do you have a number? Yeah, about 15,000. I think that's that's pretty enormous population. That's, that's, that's as big as my hometown in it, Iowa. It, 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 it was it's a busy life, but... You know, so many of my colleagues and people at medicine, you know, they just work so incredibly hard and they do everything they can to try to save lives. And, you know, I really felt for uh, some of our colleagues in medicine who were given such a difficult time over the COVID situation. 
because they didn't particularly want to take the vaccine. In many cases, they had, you know, a firsthand encounter. They had the disease. They had the antibodies. They know from their medical training that if you have the antibodies, you're probably in the best situation. And yet somebody comes along and tells you, no, you have to take this vaccine. And now information is coming out that that perhaps is not the best thing to do. And uh, in many cases, they lost their jobs. A lot of the nurses lost their jobs. Uh, it's just so unreasonable. And, and, I, and I hope we learn from this. You know, let's not mix politics with science. And, uh, you know, let's actually look at the, the real facts. You know, we've known what natural immunity is for hundreds of years, yes. from times of smallpox in the Civil War. And we know how effective it is. And all of a sudden, uh, we're not sure what that is. We're not sure how long that lasts. Give me a break. What break will Dr. Fauci be given if he's called before Republican committees, if Republicans win in November uh, and is asked about the origins, the funding, uh, NAID, funding of gain of function research in the labs in Wuhan? And it seems like there's a lot of unanswered questions. Your take on Dr. Fauci, Dr. Carson. Well, you know, I've known Dr. Fauci for many, many years. And, you know, I have a tendency not to talk about people, but uh, I, I hope I hope he will uh, spend some time thinking about the Hippocratic Oath and what the real obligations are. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Do no harm, right? Exactly first seems as though a considerable amount of harm uh, is uh, potentially being done right now as we are in the throes of watching another uh, eradicated disease smallpox you mentioned during the civil war now we have monkeypox i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you your thoughts on this seemingly global reemergence of this eradicated disease well, I suspect uh, there are those who are scheming right now, uh, trying to figure out how can we use this, or how can we use the fact that uh, clo that the COVID is getting more contagious but less virulent. Uh, can we use this in some way to control the population, to control things, to shut things down? Um, they've never had a better situation in terms of controlling the population than they did during the COVID time. But I think if, if they try to shut the population down again, they're gonna find that the American people aren't gonna stand for it. They just are not going to. We're, we're not quite like people in other parts of the world uh, who let these things happen to them. And I just don't believe it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, they're going to try. The World Health Organization is at the Davos meeting now trying to create a pandemic treaty that would be binding for all 196 nations. The World Health Organization, led by Dr. Tedros, known communist from Ethiopia, and right. somebody who I think has a pretty terrible record with pandemics, but he just voted back in, and now they're going to try and give themselves the authority to lock all of us down but they can't do it. They cannot do it because of the way our constitution is written. And it's going to require 
you know, a major uh, vote from our Congress with more, much more than a plurality of votes, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but still, it is worrisome that that kind of stuff is going on, and that they think they even have a chance at something like that because of the leadership that we now have. Yeah, you've served President Trump, one of the longest serving—I mean, the longest serving cabinet member. Well, I served the whole time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, current thoughts on current administration? Well, you know, I really am, I feel sorry, quite frankly, for uh, the current president, because I I don't think he was up to the job. Um, He's elderly. He's got some of the things that elderly people, unfortunately, have happened to them. And, you know, when when we talk about the leadership of this nation dangerous world uh, with complex issues going on we need someone at the top of their game and we really need to start thinking about that as we move into the future mm-hmm. it sounds like you're talking about mental decline and perhaps early onset dementia there's been a lot of people talking about it no one knows the human brain better than you your diagnosis uh, well, you know, when we put in place lifetime terms for Supreme Court justices and other federal agencies, the average life expectancy was under 50. So there really wasn't much incidence of mental decline secondary to age. Uh, now we don't have that situation. We haven't evolved with the times and we really need to start talking about it not necessarily putting limits on age and service but having certain uh, safeguards such as the need for mental status exam uh, annually uh, after you reach a certain age that just makes sense And, and that's not a partisan thing i mean it would apply to everybody and it would be protective mechanism for us as a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to created equal. I know you spent an enormous amount of time in the book on critical race theory. Joe Biden, as you were just previously talking about, has really embraced equity agendas, really embraced critical race theory. You hear it woven through the speeches that are written for him and he repeats them. And can you please talk about this poison What's the solution here? Because it does seem to be the prevailing academic theory of the first year of the Biden administration. Well, first of all, we have to uh, hold the feet to the fire. Uh, That means not let the people who are the purveyors of this simply say, oh, we're not doing that. We're not teaching that or change the name of it. Uh, It is being taught. You know, a friend of mine has eight-year-old granddaughter came home crying saying, Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? She's learned that somewhere. You know, that's just so unfair to do that to our children. Um, But I personally believe that it's part of what um, Khrushchev was talking about 
60 years ago when he said to Eisenhower, your grandchildren's children will live under communism and we won't have to fire one shot. The, and what do you have to do to that? You have to control the educational process so you can indoctrinate the kids. They know that. You know, it was Vladimir Lenin who said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. They also know that you have to control the media so you could spoon feed the people what you want them to know, block them from what you don't want them to know, like Hunter Biden's computer before the election, and replace faith in God with faith in government and raise the national debt to astronomical levels. You do those things, you gain control, you create chaos, you convince the people that the system that they have doesn't work. Look at all the chaos around you. We need to go to a different system. And there are those who want to fundamentally change who we are. And critical race theory and indoctrination is a very big part of that. How do we stop it? I know you cover uh, this in the book, and I don't want you to give up any of the... I want everyone to go and get the book. You can go to bencarsonbook.net, by the way, bencarsonbook.net, to get the New York Times bestseller, but... Or the, anywhere that... How do we stop it? Well, it's called courage. You can't be the land of the free if not the home of the brave. You've got to stand up for what you believe in. It's already started. It started in Virginia last November. Uh, parents of all political stripes just said, no, we're not standing for this. And now you see parents all over the country running for the school board and paying attention to what's going on. That's how we stop it. We pay attention. We be vigilant. We be part of the process and not spectators. Yes. A hypothetical here in conclusion, Dr. Carson. Donald Trump runs again in 2024. He asks you to take Dr. Fauci's job after firing him. What's your answer? Uh, my answer is that, you know, I'm getting older and uh, I would love to see younger people getting involved and doing things. People who are still going to be around 20 years later to see the impact of what they did. Yes. Yes, there but does seem... Having said... Does- I, I do have to say, I will always do what I feel God wants me to do. I just hope that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> we do need God's will a little more in this nation. It is remarkable to see the precipitous decline of the greatest country in the world when we took God out of schools and we take prayer out of schools and when we, when we decide to become an immoral people. Look what's happened over the last 50 to 70 years really is. We need to to just look at our money from time to time. It says, in God, we trust. We need to look at our Declaration of Independence. It talks about certain inalienable rights given to us by our creator. We need to say the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag. It says we are one nation under God. Let those godly principles come back. There's nothing wrong with those. That's the reason that we became such an outstanding nation. It was not a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. There's no coincidences. There's God's providence on this land. And I, I think with the uh, Great Awakening, we could perhaps get it back, but it seems in a perilous state right now. So it thank is. you, Dr. Carson, for fighting.
Well, thank you for being a patriot. We really appreciate you. <laughs> the honor, the honor is all mine. I don't have any. I don't have any scars to show you. Maybe I'd have a few extra IQ points if you had uh, operated on me when I was a kid. But <laughs> here we are. I just thank you so much. And it, again, ladies and gentlemen, created equal: the painful past, confusing present, and hopeful future of race in America. You heard the good doctor talk about it. And you can go to bencarsonbook.net to get the book right now, a New York Times bestseller. We don't know how he did it, but thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Dr. Ben Carson, what a total champion. Isn't it calming just speaking with him? Isn't it wonderful just to sit back and listen to a man who clearly has something that so few do right now? And that thing is wisdom. Dr. Carson has wisdom. He has experience. He has love for this country, and we need more people like that making decisions. He also is a Christian, a man of God, and a patriot. And it's it's always inspiring to be in his presence, <laughs> let alone talk with him for an hour. So we hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Carson. We bring forward these kind of interviews and speak with these incredible Americans for one reason, to save this nation. That's our only motivation. The reason why is because we have our priorities straight on this channel, God, family, country. This is the greatest country in the world and it needs saving right now. And so let's get to work. My name is Benny Johnson and this is The Benny Show.